All right, welcome to the show, everyone. Um, we got a little bit of a, a online show this weekend. Uh, Liam is supporting the boys in RPI for Ithaca Basketball. We're going to do this over Zoom, and we'll jump right into it. So obviously, there's uh, if anyone else saw that Emmanuel Akko top five QB list, that was uh, pretty whack, and I don't know if that guy deserves a job anymore after that list. So uh, Liam, what, what's, your, what's your top five QB list right now in the NFL going into next season? Yeah, well, should we, let's first address what was Acho's list because it was yeah. it was ridiculous. It was it was Josh Allen at one, uh, Justin Herbert at two, Stafford at three, Aaron Rodgers at four, and Joe Burrow at five. Missing uh, the elephant in the room is they're missing Patrick Mahomes. I mean, I think Max, we talked about this in our fantasy football group chat, how like he should not have a job. Like you lose all credibility if you don't have Patrick Mahomes in your top five QB, QB list. Like that yep. literally makes no sense. I, and his reasoning was, I think, because it was who he wanted, like, right now, like, who he wanted himself. He was like, oh, it's my list, but, like, I still don't understand how you don't want Patrick Mahomes. Right. Uh, but but beside that, for my list personally, I got to go with my boy Aaron Rodgers. He's the back-to-back MVP. I mean, how can you not deny that? He literally has won the most valuable player two years in a row. Enough said. I have Patrick Mahomes at two. Um, I think he probably he – the, he's the future of this league. He maybe has to kind of gain the gain the trust back, I guess, with maybe fans because he maybe the reason they they lost, I think, in the playoffs was he didn't really make the usual plays we're accustomed to against the Bengals. But I have him still too, as they have the best offense in the league in the Chiefs. I have three. I have Josh Allen. Um, I think he's finally going to get over the hump next year. He was literally perfect in the playoffs. I think he had nine touchdowns in two games, and I think the record was like eleven, and he only played two games. Uh, I mean, he was perfect in the game against the Patriots and then and then against the Chiefs. That was a classic. Uh, so I have Josh Allen at three. I have Joe Burrow at four. Um, he – I think he wins MVP next year. If he's healthy and they and they improve that off the line, I think that's – offense is only going to get better. So I got Burrow at four. And then I got I got the Super Bowl champion Matt Stafford at five. I had a tough time. I don't know what to do with Justin Herbert. I kind of – I was between Herbert and Stafford here, and I leaned more towards Stafford because first year in a new system, anyone the MVP, anyone the Super Bowl. So I kind of lean more towards the, the Super Bowl champ. But those are my list. Aaron Rodgers, one. Holmes, two. Josh Allen, three. Joe Burrow, four. At Stafford, five. Yeah, we have, we have a lot of similarities, Liam. But yeah, we should we should all start off this conversation by addressing this, what is the most egregious made list I have ever seen in my life. I looked up and down that list and like blinked and tried to like convince myself it was a bad dream or an hallucination and what have you. And I mean, it just didn't, it was still true. And he tried to back it up with senseless backup comments. And so I don't, I don't see any scenario where Matt Stafford is the third best QB in the league. I don't see any scenario where Patrick Mahomes is left off a top five list in the league. I don't get that at all. Um, so allow me to try to fix this atrocity the best I can um, and the best we can. So number one, I have Mahomes, and I believe it will be Mahomes as long as the Chiefs have this core group together. Nobody draws more attention. Nobody has innovated the QB position more than him. And as long as the Chiefs are title contenders, Mahomes should always be at the top of this list. It doesn't really – what he brings to the quarterback position can't be matched across the board. The, the throws that he's able to make – the offense that he's able to run, there's nothing like it in the NFL, and there won't be anything like it in the NFL for, for years to come. Number two is Rodgers. I think those two have to be your top two of the list right now. I mean, as you said, Liam, back-to-back MVP, 
if Pat Mahomes didn't exist, Rodgers would want run away with that top QB reputation as of right now. One thing really holding him back is that quest for that second ring. So as soon as he gets over that hump, I think we can have more of a discussion about him being the top quarterback. But for now, I think it's Mahomes and then Rodgers. And then at number three, Josh Allen. So I think those three guys interchangeably should be everyone's consensus top three right now. Josh, this guy is certainly on his way. The playoff game against the Chiefs showed me that he's going to be a force in the AFC for years to come. And this is a future MVP candidate and most likely a, a future MVP winner. He, I didn't even know that there was perfect games in the NFL until he threw one against the Patriots in the playoffs. I mean, this guy has the arm talent, the legs, and the receivers to really ascend in this league moving forward. Number four, four I have Joe Burrow. Nobody in the NFL has had a quicker turnaround than the Bengals and Joe Burrow. Coming off of what was a gruesome injury, and with still no, no offensive line, getting sacked the most in NFL playoff history by a lot and was still able to nearly win a Super Bowl. So I, I think they're only going to get better. The team is supremely young. They're only going to surround Burrow with more protection so he can be the face of the franchise. And the Bengals could start what is hopefully their run at a Super Bowl for the first time in decades. So I think Joe Burrow has to be in there. And then I struggled to, to really find a place where Matt Stafford makes this list. He is the defending Super Bowl champion. I couldn't put him in here over Justin Herbert, though. Just looking at their their structure, their physique, their ability, I think Justin Herbert is leaps and bounds more talented than Stafford at this point in time. The only difference is that he, out of this young core of QBs that we've we have, the one person to we've yet to see in the playoffs is Justin Herbert. He has all the tools. He can do almost everything that Pat Mahomes can, and sometimes a little then some with his legs. But I think coaching ultimately holds him back, and he'll have his run sooner rather than later. And as far as talent goes, there's not a lot of guys better in the NFL than Justin Herbert. So that hopefully makes up what Sam Acho produced as an atrocity of a list. Yeah, that's an interesting list. I think we've all kind of had pretty much the same people. Um, but uh, I'll start off. So number one, uh, I got Aaron Rodgers number one, pretty much just yes, because uh, the whole season, yes, it, all, it is all about winning the ring. But about consistency-wise, he's the most consistent quarterback out of the entire league. Um, the last two years, I think he's shown it. Mahomes had those like – had those little like dry humps of like two, three week spans of interceptions, not like they would catch wins, but you know, by a couple points, not like with the like in chiefs fashion. So I got Aaron Rodgers at one number two, I got Joe Burrow. And I think, I think the case that he beat Mahomes twice this year at Mahomes place. I think that's, I think that you have to put him above him there. I also think Joe Burrow played more consistent than Mahomes this all last year, especially if you want to include the postseason, we saw what happened there. So I like kind of like what Joe Burrow is doing, especially going into next year. I think they're going to draft an offensive lineman or obviously get one in the free agency. So I like what uh, Joey being the Bengals are looking like uh, three. I got Mahomes. Um, I, it could be interchangeable between three and two, but I just think for the mere factor that Joe Burrow beat uh, the Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium twice in playoff implicating games, I think you, the Burrow is ahead of Mahomes just just for as of now. Um, for number four, I got Matt Stafford. Um, I. I, he had a couple of dry humps as well throughout the year, but just the fact that he's the defending Super Bowl champion, like I think he has to be in the top five. And I get it, Herbert, 
Um, he, he played fantastic this year, but same thing with him. He, he, uh, he went through a couple of weeks where he wasn't really doing his thing with the Chargers. And the fact that Stafford made it to the playoffs, won four games in a row in the playoffs um, and, and had a good record. Uh, they won the division. Um, I like him at four. Um, number five, I got Josh Allen. Um, he's going to be running the AFC East for the next couple of years. Um, that's, their, that's their division to win every single year. And it's their division to lose every year. Um, we saw what he did in the playoffs. That was Literally one of the greatest performances we've, I've ever seen against the Patriots. I, I didn't expect that at all. I thought Bill Belichick was going to at least manage that him a little bit better than he did. But he he has the talent on his, with his legs, his arm. Um, but he's very inconsistent as well. I, we saw this year, like, they should have never lost that game to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I know their defense played fantastic that day. But still, you have to win that game. You're the better team. So games like that, that that's kind of – that like games like that makes a difference – uh, for me between the list but um, none of you guys mentioned this and I, I just wanted to mention this like from the outside looking in I don't have Herbert I have Lamar Jackson um, if he didn't get hurt this year I think the Ravens probably would have been a playoff a playoff team maybe wild card I don't know about winning the division but um, I, I feel like every year he gets better throwing the ball and maybe it's not obviously as good as the, these top five quarterbacks but that's not his game his game is, is, the, is his legs but he's getting better every year throwing the ball and I, I think Lamar right now just based off winning and everything, he is a better quarterback than Herbert. And I think Herbert will eventually grow past that, but this is only Herbert's second year in the league and now going on third. So Lamar is a little bit older, a little bit more experienced, but that was, that, that's my take on it. But uh, yeah, no, yeah. I had you, to be honest, I forgot about Lamar. Um, Lamar and Kyler Murray kind of jumbled together with me because they're both kind of similar quarterbacks, but they can't really like win the big game. I feel like, um, but Herbert, I just, Herbert might be more recency bias because that last game of the regular season, he was unbelievable. Just throwing, I mean, him and Derek Carr were going at it. Yeah, Derek Carr, 10, Derek, I, was, crazy. I was looking at stats too. Derek Carr was like fifth in passing. Like I was, he was outrageous, but he doesn't deserve to be on this list. But I just thought that was a cool anecdote. Uh, I, I would put Herbert over Lamar. Just like I said, I feel like it was more recency bias just because I saw more of him and I just, he just looked like, because we see all these guys, all we think of all the top quarterbacks, we think of all the guys with, with like pocket passers. And you guys that like we saw we, uh, Rogers, Mahomes. I mean, Allen does run, but then Burrow and Stafford are all pocket passers. And then you have the guys like Lamar, and you have the guys like Kyler, Kyler Murray that kind of are the rushers, but don't maybe don't I don't they don't put you over the hump. Uh, but Lamar was interesting. And then I kind of was thinking about like where's where does Dak fall in this conversation? Like is he, is he top ten? Top ten? Yeah, yeah. Barely, 100%. barely. 100%. Like he at has the to be. nine ten range. Especially with Brady gone, like it just he just moves a spot forward. So, yeah, I mean, it's it, I would say, I mean, I would say after five, let's just say I, for me, I would say Lamar, Herbert. Um, I don't even know if I have Kyler right there. Keep was so inconsistent this year, especially yeah. when the playoffs came. So I don't really know what's going on with him, especially with all this media buzz. Um, I would definitely throw Dak in there. I would throw Derek Carr in there. I, he he balled out last year, even though they didn't make the well, no, they didn't make the playoffs, but they lost that first round. But especially with all those off the field controversies with that team last year, and that's what he was able to do. Hands off to him. Um, and I don't, yeah. I can't really think of a, another quarterback that is in the top ten right now. I'll say. Well, that's what I, I actually want to ask. What do you guys think out of all the the rookie quarterbacks last year? I wouldn't say anyone's going to make the jump to five like like Joe Burrow did, but like. Like, does Trevor Lawrence get so much better? Does Mac Jones get a lot better? Like, what about those that rookie class that had, what, five? There was a lot of first-round picks. Like, does anyone make a big jump for next year, you think? You know who I want to say? 
I, I think you know who oh, I want to say. Trey Lance. I, I, I forgot because he didn't play. I think Trey Lance is probably the most prepared to make that jump just because he has that season of learning underneath him in a Kyle Shanahan offense. And I don't know if you guys have gotten a chance to see that leak practice footage since last week that I mentioned it, but man, that looks good. Uh, Throwing on the run, his arm, his speed. I think he has all the tools to be the the next big thing at quarterback. I've said, I've said that before the Niners even drafted him and the fact that the Niners even drafted him, make it made it all that much sweeter for me. Um, but Purdy, I want to go back to your uh, Lamar Jackson point, um, because the reason that Herbert made my list and Jackson kind of fell out because I thought about Jackson. I really did. MVP um, has come back from behind a, a lot of times to win big games. Uh, the game against the Chiefs earlier this season uh, comes to mind. And uh, I think he had a couple comeback wins um, before that. I think it was a, the Browns game uh, also that was that stood out for him. But I look at. I look at Justin Herbert and what he did in week 18, a lot of how a lot in the same uh, with how Josh Allen performed in the playoffs and between the new England and chiefs game. And I look at what, what they both did in, in those games. And I look around the rest of the league and I, I say that the rest of these guys can't do that. Like Lamar Jackson could not have done nearly what Justin Herbert did in the last, what was it? Five minutes of the Raiders game and pull a comeback completely out of a hat um, when his team was dead to rights. I don't think that Lamar Jackson can do that. We have seen him do plenty of comeback wins, but he does that more with his legs and doesn't, when he has to throw it, he can't make those big throws. And I think the throwing problem that he has, it's not a very big one, but compared to the top quarterbacks in the league, it's not really on par with them. So I think that's what holds him back from me putting, him on my list although I really wanted to because he has won and he's won an MVP so you have to think about him but I think he just falls on the outside looking in just because of how talented Herbert is and what he can do with the ball in the air as well as with his legs and I think that seems consistent with pretty much everybody in my top five that I put except for Joe Burrow but Joe Burrow just made a Super Bowl so I think that's where his extension kind of lies so that personally that is why Lamar Jackson did not make my list. Yeah, uh, I, I completely understand that. And honestly, another point, too, to Lamar. Um, <clears throat> in a way, I feel like Tyler Huntley, like, succeeding this year, like, I think Lamar's going to start next year. But in a way, it kind of hurt his, maybe not like not legacy, but just the fact that a QB just like Lamar in that system has the tools to succeed. And obviously, Huntley succeeded very well this year, in my opinion. I thought he played great. But here nor there, uh, he's not he's not in any of our top five quarterback lists. But let's move on to the NBA. Liam. MVP, obviously midway through the season, all-star game just happened. Who are your MVPs right now? Candidates. Yeah. So I kind of kind of put this into four different categories, which is interesting. So I got like the kind of the leading candidates are one of the big guys, Giannis, Jokic, and Bede. I think those three are kind of the leading candidates right now, deservedly so. And it's kind of cool to see like Giannis is not a center, but like Embiid and Jokic are centers. And it's just cool. It's like you, we never see this anymore. Like it's always been a heavy guard-oriented league, uh, but now the center's coming back. So I think those those three are kind of the three leading candidates. And I kind of went with my second one as kind of like the, the dark horse ones, like the, the youngins. And I went with John Morant and Luka Doncic. Both guys are tearing it up. Both guys are averaging 27 game. Luka's got not 27, 9, and 9, and then Jaws 27, 6, and 7. And and they're both what Jaws, Jaws third in the West, and I think Luka's fifth in the West. 
Um, so those I kind of had those guys, and then I have I have the mid range assassin and Demar Derozan, who just had his eighth straight thirty five point game. Like that's insane, and that, I feel like that doesn't get. I saw that just briefly last night, and I was like, that, that's ridiculous. Eight straight game, 35. Like, you don't really see that um, at all. He's averaging 28, 5, and 5, and, and the Bulls are second in the West, in the East right now. And my fourth kind of guy that I have is just LeBron, because he's LeBron. He's averaging 29, 8, and about 7 assists. He could win the scoring title, and he's 37 years old. It's just it's LeBron, so he's always going to be there. Those are kind of I ca- how I categorize, categorize the four. Uh, but if I was to say one one guy right now, probably would be in bead. Yeah. It took a while for you to get the, to DeMar there, Liam, you scared me. I'm not going to yeah. lie to you. Uh, no, no. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. And that, I don't know if you saw my eyes light up a little bit, but that's, that's kind of when you said your top three and he wasn't it. I was, I yeah. caught me a little off guard, but I did not go really as deep into this conversation as you did, Liam, just because usually the MVP is a three-man race, although it is pretty wide open this year. Um, so, And Giannis and Jokic both have a very legitimate case to plead. Uh, I don't think they end up in the top three for um, just the purpose of where other teams are and other candidates um, are playing at right now. I think they're a little like Giannis is kind of missing the mark as far as the defending champion and his team ranking. I think that is kind of missing the mark. And then Jokic, his team is sitting at the sixth seed right now in the West. I think he's going to get overlooked. Um, so I think the, the MVP conversation kind of folds out like this right now. So I think Embiid is probably the consensus pick right now. Um, I think that's probably the safest pick. I think that's probably the pick that you can back up the most right now. And especially with him not having Ben Simmons, this year and having to do everything pretty much on his shoulders. I think he has done that exponentially well. He has opened up his game a lot. He's in step back threes now. I mean, we haven't seen a big like this dominate the league in this matter. I I want to say since Shaq, but correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I don't think I've seen a big man quite this dominant and, and quite some time and not only dominant, but versatile, as I was like, he's hitting step back threes. He's doing it from in and outside. He's hitting pull up mid range jumpers. Like he's got, he's added some guard skills to his game that kind of came out of the blue and has really taken his game to the next level. So his, he's probably the consensus right now, but man is DeMar getting close. Like this was not a race about two weeks ago. Um, This was an Embiid and then there's everybody else. And now we're looking at DeMar DeRozan, like, okay, if he keeps this up, we can't keep this away from him. Like, this is going to be the same thing that we ran in with James Harden uh, three years in a row. He just scored and scored and scored and scored, and his team kept being in the top three of their conference. And eventually, I mean, I think Harden came in second twice before we stopped ignoring him, um, before he won the MVP. And I, it was a, a similar scoring run in that same instance as I believe he also had, I, it was between eight and 10, 35 point uh, straight, 35 point games where he won the MVP. And if DeMar keeps this up, I, I don't really know how you keep it away from him. Um, I, unless Embiid is, is consistently putting up 30 a night. I don't, I don't know how you keep that away from him with them being a top three team in the East on a new team and a very fluctuating team right now as they have to deal with a lot of injuries. I, it's going to be tough if he keeps this up. I don't expect him to because I didn't expect him to do this. But, man, is that going to be a conversation to have in about a month from now. Um, and then my third MVP candidate is John Morant. Um, John Morant has 
the Grizzlies sitting at a third seed right now in the West after they had to win two straight years in the playing tournament to get into the playoffs. And he's playing absolutely out of his mind. Um, I've loved what he's done this year. And I also am kind of biased because I did say that you guys were going to get an MVP type season out of John Morant before the season even tipped off. So maybe that's what kind of factors into him making my top three or top three MVP candidate discussion as he does. But I don't think you can overlook what he's done this year. And the fact that he's kind of taking off as one of the top three point guards in the league, not even top five, uh, I think says a lot about his development and where the Grizzlies are headed. I mean, you hit the nail right on the head at Max because I had the same three as you. Um, I have the same opinion as you. I think Joel right now is kind of the consensus consensus MVP. Um, That team had so many off-the-court situations going on this year with trades, uh, obviously Ben Simmons, now with the acquisition of Harden and um, Millsap. Um, so I, I think Joel right now, hundred percent is the MVP 30, 11, and he's averaging 30, 11 and five. That's crazy from a big, um, and 76 years are looking at our third in the East right now. So, um, and I also wanted to mention this too. Uh, um, obviously Giannis is competing for the MVP. They played the other night, 76 years, won 123 to 120 and B went 42, 14 and five. And Giannis went 32, 11 and nine. Um, and beat obviously successed over him. Um, but anyways, on to DeMar. I think DeMar is, like Ray said, he's right there. Like, he's so close. Just the fact that the, the Bulls are tied for first in the East. Well, they are first, but they have the same record as the Heat. Um, actually, I don't know after last night, uh, last night's games. But um, I love everything DeMar's doing. I, I mean, Levine, Caruso, or Burt Ball, at least one of them is hurt, like, every other week. So he's not even playing with this full starting five every week. Um, so I feel like DeMar, he has to be, like, if not, like, if not definitely two, if not one. Um, and the number three, John Morant, he's averaging 27, six and seven. Um, I like, I feel like he's elevating the play of Jaron Jackson Jr. and Desmond Bain. Bain dropped 30 the other night and Ja dropped 44. Um, uh, so, and Grizzlies sitting at third and third in the West. I, I feel like you can't give an MVP to say Jokic or Giannis when your team is not even the top five of your, of your conference. I, I just, I, you can have the greatest numbers, but if your team's not winning, what do the numbers even matter if you're not even a top three team in your conference? So that's kind of my opinion about the MVPs. So I would say the one thing, because, dude, I look at Giannis right now. And I mean, Giannis, they're fourth in the East right now, but they're three games back from first because the East is so close. Like the, the Bulls yeah. right now are in first, they're 39 and 21, and the Bucks are 36 and 24 in their fourth place. They literally are right there. And, and Giannis, He's literally averaging – his numbers are better than Embiid's right now because he's averaging literally – what is it? Embiid, you said 30, 11, and 5. Mm-hmm. And then Giannis is 30, 11, and 6. So he's like, got that, got that one so, assist. And that like, extra assist. His numbers are yeah. insane. Yeah. But, like, I, I, I love um, – this is a little bit biased, but I love Luka Doncic. But, and I'm, but he – like, they're fourth in the West, and he's averaging 27, 9, and 9. Oh, they're, they're fifth. They're fifth. Obviously, like I think Ja is ahead of him in the MVP conversation because they're third. But like like Luca's numbers are absurd. Like 27.99 for a non-athletic guy. Like I just love that. But again, it, I think we're all in consensus that Embiid is the number one guy. And I think we love seeing like seeing DeMar good again after kind of his just leaving Toronto and then winning a championship. That always has stuck with me. And I, I would love to see DeMar win. I would love to see him win the uh, MVP award. That'd be sick. That'd be awesome for the city of Chicago. Uh, but like like twenty eight five five, he's he just tearing. And the the crazy thing is, it's a three pointing league now. Like everyone shoots threes, and he literally drops thirty five a game, pretty much. Like the, the last couple of weeks, by shooting maybe one three. Like I think he had two yeah. threes last night. 
from but the field. He's insane. He, he shot 70% from the field last night. He had 35, 37 last night. He shot 70% from the field. Like people, you don't see that. And he's, he's tearing it up and he is, he is on a different level right now. I love to see it. Yeah. We kind of seen since, um, I want to say it was around 2014 where Lebronto first started that we started to really look at DeMar DeRozan and realize that he has about a hundred moves in his bag. Like he can score in any way possible at any given time. And I think that's always been a threat. It's just always how he's used. And I think now that Lonzo Ball has been out for a significant period of time, as well as Alex Caruso, those are their two main point guards. He's gotten the handle of the rock a little more. He's gotten the ball in his hands a little more and has been able to really excel into what he does best, which is put the ball in the basket. And it, it's when you, so you mentioned Giannis and I think something we always have to fa- factor in when we talk about the MVP discussion in the NBA is voter fatigue. Um, voter fatigue is going to be a very, very real thing for Giannis very soon. Um, we already gave him two MVPs and I, he's had guys, when he won a second MVP, I definitely thought that there was guys that had a had a pretty good case, not over him, but just as like they could have just as easily given it to somebody else as they gave it to him. I think that one person, especially, is LeBron, and we've seen them with LeBron the voter fatigue that he that he's gotten over the last decade. Uh, the fact that he hasn't gotten an MVP since 2013, 14 is really really bad on the NBA. And I think that we're going to see the, these years like that Giannis has with the NBA so wide open. I think these those years are kind of going to go to waste. Yeah, I definitely agree with that voter fatigue, Max. I like the point you brought up. But let's move into obviously the playoffs. Um, Liam, who do you think is going to come out of the East and the West? If you had to pick a couple teams maybe from each conference, who are you liking the most? Yeah, I mean, I love, I love the Bulls. Um, I think I'm curious to see what the Sixers can do. I mean, Harden's playing tonight. That's going to be a lot of fun to see kind of the the connection with Embiid and Harden. But I kind of focused on a little bit on dark horses, and I love I love the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, they're fifth right now in the East. I'm not saying – I think I could see a similar situation to what the Hawks did last year, how they kind of – no one really took them seriously and they ended up making the Eastern Conference Finals. The Cavs uh, – Darius Garland didn't play last night, but they're, they just – I love their lineup. Like they have Kevin Love off the bench that just shoots threes. They got the Bigs and Jared Allen and Mobley and then Mark and him. And then they just signed Karis LeVert. Like, that's a that's a nice, well-rounded team, great size. And then Garland's playing at an all-star level. He was an all-star. It's just – they're fun to see. It's good to see Cleveland back in without LeBron. Um, but, like, Cleveland, if I had to pick, like, a dark horse, Cleveland would be my number one pick. Uh, but I think another team that's interesting um, is the Celtics a little bit. I don't see them coming, but they've they've been hot. They, they had won, like, nine straight. And they lost one game, and then they played well last night. But but again, the the big biggest question I think going into the second half of the season, uh, in terms of the Eastern Conference, is the Philadelphia 76ers and what James Harden and Joel Embiid can do together. Yeah, um, I, I think that that is the biggest question going into the playoffs is what the 76ers are because really nobody knows that team looks completely different, yeah. and we haven't seen what completely different looks like for them yet post Ben Simmons, post Seth Curry, post Andre Drummond. They actually had a very deep and well-rounded team. A good team. Yeah. yeah, and I think, as I stated, when the Harden trade was uh, first broke, I, I don't – I think they gave up a little bit too much as far as player depth. I think that really ruined their rotation. But we'll see how it plays out. 
Um, I hope Embiid gets to where he's trying to go just based off how he's playing. Um, because I want to I want to see him succeed um with this dominance that he's he's retaining right now. But as far as favorites are concerned, we talked about it a little bit last week. Um, and the Easter conference is wide open. Um but the scary the scariest thing right now to me is the Brooklyn Nets. And for the sole purpose of where they are right now, because they're an eight seed. If they get everybody back healthy, and we might talk about this a little bit later, but the the, the mask mandate or the vaccination mandate in New York, if that gets pulled and Ben Simmons wants to play with the surrounding cast that they just that they just acquired <laughs> as an eight seed, imagine working all season to get the one seed to be the best team in the conference just to run into the nets. Like it, they are going to get their best game, their best series opponent probably in round one. And then from there, it could only get easier. So that, that scares the life out of me for the East. I really like the bulls. I really like the bucks. I really like the heat, but man, if the Brooklyn nets end up being the eight seed, that's a tough road to go down for anybody um, in the Eastern yeah. conference. Um, in the Western conference, I've thought for the most part all year that it was kind of a two-man race as far as uh, who, who comes out of the West as um, and that two-man race is between the Warriors and the Suns. I don't really see at any point in time that that really changes unless an injury happens, God forbid. But th- those, I think, are the two teams right now, and I think the West is a little more clearer than the East. But there are some dark horses out there. I think the Grizz- Grizzlies are really dangerous. Um, they have a lot of depth, a lot of young depth, a lot of guys that can be out there for a lot of minutes at a time and not really get tired. Uh, we just hope for John Morant's sake that he stays healthy so that they can actually make an attempt at, at the run um, that they have the potential to do as a three seed, by the way. And uh, it's worth mentioning that they have, I believe, with this list that I have here, they have the third easy third to yeah, the third easiest schedule remaining schedule for the regular season. So that seeding could go up as high as two uh, they, if they catch the Warriors somehow, which would be insane. And if they get that two seed, watch out. I think another dark horse to watch out for in the West, barring health, um, is the Nuggets. The Nuggets have a lot of depth, and they've kind of – they've always had, uh, since the bubble, they've had a supreme amount of depth in players that contribute. And um, with Aaron Gordon, with Bones Highland – and then possibly Jamal Murray coming back along with Michael Porter Jr. If they're fully assembled, they're they're in that that Warrior Suns conversation. The fact of the matter is that we just haven't seen that lineup in in any sort of recency. So if we get to see that lineup with Bones Highland and Aaron Gordon and the rest of the depth that they have on that Denver Knights team, I think that's a really dangerous group of guys that could go out and upset the Suns that can go upset the Warriors because those teams are built pretty much the same around their stars and with great complementary players. So I think that that's another team to really look out for and probably the biggest threat as a dark horse, if they assemble that lineup. And I have to ask, what are the Timber? What are the Timberwolves? I have no idea what they are. Bro, I literally had them as a dark horse in the West. I, I just mentioned the East, but I literally wrote down Western Conference. They had, I mean, they're, they're seventh right now in the West. They have three legit guys that can mm-hmm. take over a game at any Edwards, time. Edwards, Edwards, and Russ. 
three three guys at will that can score twenty plus. I mean, they're they're right now they're sevens. They they have a matchup with the two sevens, so they'd be Warriors. I mean, that's they're they're fun to watch. They could they could be a team that messes around that that seating right there in, in the Western Conference. Absolutely, and I, I think the the X factor really is uh, what D'Lo brings to the table in the playoffs. Uh, we saw last night he dropped twenty three in the fourth quarter, dropped I believe it was thirty seven on the game. Yeah. If D'Angelo Russell is doing that with the complimentary additions of or not additions, but the complimentary players of Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards, if they're if those three are firing at all cylinders and they get some sort of like they're very good defensively, Justin Vanderbilt plays really well for him or for them, Nas Reed plays really well on the defensive end for them. They have depth as well. So I don't really know what they are because they have kind of been irrelevant since Jimmy Butler left. Um, so I don't, I don't know what they are. I don't know what their, their coaching scheme is, but they're a team to me that can surprise some people. And I'm not saying they're going to go out and make a run at a title this year, but the Western conference could shake up a little bit. If the Timberwolves really get those three firing on all cylinders. I mean, they beat the Grizzlies by five last night and Anthony Edwards only had five points. Like that's, and he's one of their big yeah. three players. So that's mm-hmm. kind of interesting to see, but for, for my East, uh, None of you guys mentioned it. I think the Miami Heat, I feel like they're – I know they're the two-seed right now, but I feel like they're a dark horse because no one talks about them. Um, I, I mean, they're, they're the same team as the bubble plus Kyle Lowry. Who, so, I mean, they have the team there. Um, Spolcha, I, I mean, I think I said it the last uh, last week, but I think he's he's the Mike Tomlin of the NBA. He wins every single year. Um, out of his out of his 16, uh, as, as 16 years so far, I think it's 16 or – no, 13 seasons as a – as a heat coach, he's made the playoffs 10 times out of those 10 times, five of them, he's went to the finals and out of those five finals, he's won two of them. So, I mean, I think the, the, just the winning Aurora of that team is there. And I think they have the possibility to make a run. Um, Butler, um, I mean, he's not an MVP, but he's like in one of those things where uh, categories where he makes that team like he, without him, they're not where they are right now. Um, so I like what Miami heat's doing. Obviously they're going to clinch a good seat in the playoffs. So we'll see what they'd end up doing. And I, like I said, I got, I got the Sixers in the East. Uh, those are kind of uh, a team I like to kind of go out there. Um, Millsap, Tobias Harris, and Danny Green, they all have playoff experience. Um, so, I mean, the team's the team has pieces there to possibly make a run. And then out of the West for me, I got one team and one team only because I truly believe it's it's only going to be the Phoenix Suns. Mm. And I want to I want to I uh, mention this. They have 10 players, 10 players averaging over double-digit points. And then to put that in perspective – the Warriors have four guys double, averaging double-digit points. They have 10 players averaging double-digit points. They have All their players are probably averaging over 25 minutes a game. Everybody plays and everyone gets productive, efficient minutes. Um, I mean, the addition of JaVale McGee, I think, was huge. because now gives someone coming off the bench as a big and gives DeAndre Ayton a little bit of time to breathe. Um, I think that kind of screwed them in the finals last year. Um, Aiden just could not keep up with Giannis. I think it was pretty prevalent after game two, after they won, they took a 2-0 lead. And then Giannis just decided to take over. Aiden was just not guarding him. Uh, He was not getting to the free throw line. wasn't getting any points. Like the first two games he did really good. But then after that, I think it was, I think it was pretty obvious. They needed someone else to come off the bench to help him out there. So I love that addition there. Um, Booker's scoring, but he's still assisting. Uh, He's averaging five assists a game. That is more than last year. Um, um, so, yeah, I mean, I think the Warriors is the other scary team, but I, I just think the Suns have too much going for them right now. Too many people off the bench, too many people playing 
playing too good right now. I just think they're going to carry it right into the postseason. Um, but uh, on to uh, NBA, um, honestly, what do you guys think of the face the NBA? Um, do you guys think it's someone young, someone someone older? Um, for me personally, um, if, you, if you say the word NBA, the NBA right now, I think of LeBron like this. I don't care if he's the worst player in the league. If, if someone tells you, who do you think the NBA right now go? You're saying LeBron off rip. I don't like hundred percent. I don't think anyone else can fight that. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's LeBron until he retires. So what do you guys think? Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, like you said, NBA, you can think of LeBron. I think it's going to be like that until he retires from the NBA. Um, and then second, I think the reason we we're talking about this was it was Stephen A. Max. that said that yep. Curry potentially is. Yep. Yeah, he said that yeah, so, uh, Steph Curry is the face of the NBA after his performance um, in the All Star game. Yeah. And they've kind of he's kind of always been on the Warriors bandwagon because um, he he will go to the grave saying that he told everyone that the Warriors were going to be like this once Clay came back. And I mean, he, he was right, but that he he kind of seems a little Warriors biased as far as the you know league rankings are concerned. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I think LeBron is definitely the face of the NBA. Curry's got to be two. And then I think, like, the third guy, kind of where that's where you come to the question, I think it's got to be Giannis, maybe, just because of the, the championship last year. Um, but I think if, if you talk maybe a decade and, like, 10 years now for down the lane, I think it still could be Giannis, or you could see a guy like like John Morant, or the young guys. But it, but until, until LeBron retires – he will always be considered the face of the NBA and that and there's no denying that. Yeah. I'm completely on board with both of you guys. Um, I think Stephen A's main reason for him saying that Steph Curry was it was just his influence and how everybody tries to replicate Steph Curry's game, which is true, which is true. And I don't really think that's necessarily great for basketball because I don't think anybody else can be Steph Curry, but that was his main point. And not that he's wrong, but there's there's just not going to be at any point in time where we we have LeBron in the NBA. We talk about him as the GOAT or one of the GOATs. Steph Curry is just not in that conversation. So if we're going to be calling somebody the GOAT, that guy is the face of the league. And he's going to be the face of the league until he retires. It doesn't matter if he's not at performing at MVP level. It doesn't matter if he's 40 years old. He's going to be the face of the NBA. When people go to NBA games, they're going to – he still has the highest-selling jersey at age 37. Guys, I mean, fans are following him all over. That is the face of the NBA. Now, the best player in the world right now is probably a different discussion. Is probably between Curry and Giannis. Probably. Um, I would probably give the edge to Giannis, as I have all year. And LeBron's creeping up. I mean, he when, when he's been out there this year, he's performed at MVP-type level, but his team just hasn't been winning. So we can't put them in that discussion. But I think you could branch off into a lot of separate conversations within this face of the face of the league conversation. I think that there's there's the younger generation that is the is the future face of the league. I think you could go off and talking about the best, best player in the world, as I stated. I can also you could also talk about um, just you could talk about a wide spectrum of different topics when it comes to the face of the NBA. Uh, popularity is another one as well. Um, so I'll talk about, I'll talk about the future a little bit. Um, the future phase of the NBA, as far as I, I think this is in two separate categories, as far as talent and as far as popularity, I think as far as talent goes, I think John Morant is the future phase of the NBA. I, I think, um, the younger generation really 
attaches itself to explosive, fiery, fun-to-watch guards. And John Morant is the epitome of that. And if he's putting up 27 points per game and doing what he's doing on a nightly basis as far as highlights, as far as shot creating, as far as getting the Grizzlies into the third seed in the West, that's that's the face of the league. That's the best player in the league moving forward. And um, But as far as popularity goes, I think a lot of guys are going to attach themselves to LaMelo Ball. I think his following is going to to only skyrocket as he's been being followed since he was 15, 16 years old. I mean, he's had a fan base running for what seems like years now. And once LeBron and Steph and all those guys retire and we're left with the guards that were first time all stars this year, there there are going to be a lot of people that latch themselves onto them. So I think those are the two guys that are really going to control the future of the NBA. But LeBron is going to be the face of the NBA until he retires. And there's I don't think you can really change that. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, onto like maybe some future stars of the NBA, Zion. Um, he's been not really all over the place because he hasn't played at all this year. Um, he's obviously here. He's rehabbing away from the team. Um, that was a decision from him in his camp. Um, I mean, that that's personal. I don't really have a comment on that um, because everyone's injury is to themselves. And who knows? Their doctors may be better than team doctors. Um, but the thing that's been weird, obviously, McCollum got traded there from the Blazers, and that happened on February 9th. And apparently, to an article on Bleacher Report four days ago, McCollum has yet to even speak with Zion, um, who and CJ is very excited to be on the team. He's excited for the future. Obviously, they got Brandon Ingram, um, CJ, um, and they're all clicking, and they just want to talk to Zion. Obviously, this is the future of this team. And as of right now, he's MIA. Um, I don't really know about what's going on with his shape. Um, he has so much potential to be good in this league. Um, not even like, obviously, he has the potential to be an elite player in this league, but he has the potential to be in this league for 20 years and be consistent for like 20 years. Um, so what do you what do you guys think is happening with this? And also, what's maybe prediction for maybe Zion's future? Yeah, I don't know. He was so dominant last year. Like, he was shooting like 60% from the field. He was putting up like 27 a game. Like, he was dominating the NBA. And now he's with his foot's problem. But like, if I'm Zion, I they have a nice court. I mean, CJ McCollum is, is very good. Brandon Ingram's uh, he is an all star when he's healthy. They have good pieces over there. Um, I I mean they're not good right now where they they're they're twelfth in the West right now, so they're not making the playoffs this year. But like, if I'm Zion, they have a nice court, and I'm I'm playing in New Orleans. If if I'm Zion Williamson, maybe he wants to go to New York. Maybe he wants to go play with his his college buddies and RJ and Cam Johnson, but. If I'm him, I'm staying put and seeing what they can do with that kind of big three that they have. CJ dropped 38 last week against the Mavs. He's a, like, dude, he's a problem. He's always been a scorer. He's always a 20-point scorer. He's, he's, he's been that his whole career. I don't know why you don't want to play with him or even, even talk to him. Well, talk about faces that represent uh, a portion of the league. Uh, you guys would say that Zion is probably the face of the New Orleans Pelicans, no? Yeah, yeah. Okay, Absolutely. me too. Me too. Yeah. Number one overall pick, probably the most hype around the, him in New Orleans since Anthony Davis. I mean, that yeah. New Orleans is his team. And even though he's not playing when he is going to be playing, everyone's going to come to watch him. So I think, I mean, Liam, we make plans. You invite me over. We, we have a day together. Like the first thing I'm going to do once that day starts is I'm going to call you and I'm going to let you know that I'm there. So <laughs> when CJ McCollum gets traded, it's Zion's team. I believe it is CJ McCollum's job to reach out to Zion to kind of collaborate and get an, an understanding and an excitement level about playing together on the same team. 
I think that I, I don't really I don't really care how long CJ has been in the league. Zion is 21 years old and he's the face of the New Orleans franchise. He is not going to outreach to anybody that's joining his team or trying to do any recruiting because he's 21 years old. He is not he is not going to go out of his way to, you know, make friends with teammates who might be there today and gone tomorrow. So I think if CJ is really committed to New Orleans and to building that franchise, he's got to reach out to Zion. I think J.J. Reddick's criticism of him being a detached teammate is just product of him being 21 years old. Nobody at 21 years yeah. old in the NBA really thinks that they're, they're a proven leader. They're just kind of there. They're existing among the team, but they're the star of the show. It's CJ's job to really make sure as a veteran that everyone in-house is good and has a, has a good understanding of where each other wants to go and what the team's goals are. And if CJ hasn't talked to Zion, that falls on CJ because he's the new guy. He needs to reach out. If he doesn't want to reach out, then, then that creates the internal problems. I don't think Zion is the problem in this scenario. I mean, that's where I kind of disagree right there. Um, I mean, I think it goes in any situation. The phone works both ways. I think it's I think it's both their jobs to to reach out to each other. Um, it does not matter who's first because at the end of the day, this is the business. Um, they're trying to win games. They're trying to make money, provide for themselves and for their families. And I think it's out, it's outrageous that neither of them has. What are they playing, cat and mouse? Like, are we middle school? Like, we're waiting to see who texts first. I don't really know. That's what how, that's how the media is portraying it because that's what they want the audience to think. They want the public to think that there's drama going on. When in reality, I probably there's probably not that much drama going on right now. But um, I, I think, like I said, the phone works both ways, and I think that um, Zion, I. I I do think personally, I think Zion should be the first to reach out, but that's that's here said nor there. Um, but what, what what what? Let me ask you guys this: If say say this Zion thing just doesn't work out in New Orleans, okay, uh, two more years go down the road, Zion to the Knicks. What do you think could possibly happen that's to so the Knicks franchise if Zion goes there? We all know what he said about MSG. We know he's best friends with RJ. Yeah. Knicks there, I'll stop it down the hill right now. But two three years down the line, what do you think could possibly happen? Dude, I think he wanted to go there on draft night. He wanted to be a New York Nick. It just happened to be that Pelicans got lucky with the draft lottery. But, like, Zion in New York would be just chaos, like, but in a good way because he would just take over that team. I mean, R.J. Barry is, is very good. And paired back with his college buddy, like, Knicks could be a problem, but they're, they're not good now. Yeah, I, I mean, I, Purdy, I think you're doing a really bad thing here and um, giving Knicks fans hope because <laughs> um, – They'll they'll reach happen, on to but... anything at this moment in time. I mean, they're still trying to cling on to the the wild success that they received last year, and it has fallen <laughs> flat this year. So I think, like I said, I think I said it on last week's episode that that um, the Cowboys fans and Knicks fans really need to do like a group therapy session and really <laughs> sit down and talk about just the disappointments that continuously happen to them. Um, so don't don't yeah. give them hope where most of the like they thought they were getting Katie and Kyrie too they thought they were getting all these guys and they ended up with Julius Randle so I mean <laughs> no dig on Julius Randle has really exceeded expectations in in New York but like I, I think New York would always rather Katie or Kyrie any day of the week right, well <laughs> I agree with that but let's move on to 
Uh, a little bit of a scuffle that happened on the court last week. Um, let's see, uh, D1 NCAA basketball, Michigan Wolverines were playing the Wisconsin Badgers. And uh, I think we all know what happened after the game with Juwan Howard, uh, putting his face in assistant coach after the game. Um, obviously, Michigan was down by a few points. They were definitely going to lose that game. Uh, they ran the full court press on Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin had their bench players in. They didn't really know what to do. Wisconsin's coach calls a timeout um, and then kind of unfolds from there. So, uh, Liam, what is your opinion on how Juwan handled that situation? And do you think that he, not not in the right for putting it, his hands on that guy? Because I think we all can agree that was wrong. But do you agree that uh, how do you feel about his uh, his action toward the game and being angry about how Wisconsin reacted to the press? Yeah, I mean, you just you can't. I, I don't know. I just you can't act that way. You're the, you're the head coach. You shouldn't get that mad over a little thing where you're going to lose the game already. Like, just be professional. Take the loss. And be done with that. For him to actually hit an opposing coach like that, that defies every coaching etiquette known to man. Like he, so, and he got suspended for what, the rest of the season or the rest of the regular season. Like Not that does anything. Regular season. Like why he's still probably getting paid. Like he should be suspended for the entire season and get fined. Like he literally, he, he hit the other coach. Like that was just, you're supposed to say, you're supposed to be a leader by example. You're supposed to like show your players what, how to act. And you just totally did the opposite. I was, baffled by his actions and i think that was totally unprofessional and just an awful look for the university of michigan yeah i mean i'm going to disagree with you a little bit as far as being suspended for the rest of the season i think that's a little extreme uh especially given the fact that um given the fact that we had a guy last year on can kansas throw a chair at somebody oh my god and he forgot was about that bobby, for, it's like bobby knight yeah, yeah. he's only suspended for what i think 12 games he didn't even get yeah. the full season so if he's not getting suspended yeah. for throwing chairs i don't think a palm to the forehead really warrants a um a full season suspension i think the five game suspension uh falls into the rather right realm um but to me when i look at the situation um i i think a lot of mason rudolph and miles garrett um because the not not because of how how like just awe worthy it really was and that was shocking, but just how one guy got suspended and the other the other end of this fight and Wisconsin head coach Greg Gard um, really didn't get more than I believe what was a fine, um, which is really a yeah, slap on the wrist. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I, to me, he was the instigator in this scenario because not only did he call the timeout with four seconds left during the handshake line, if you watch the video closely, he was the first one to grab on to Juwan's coat. Um, he grabbed on, he put, put a, a full palm into his jacket. And at that point, Juwan Howard is an old school NBA player. This is a guy that played in the nineties, early two thousands. If you disrespect him and put hands on him, that's going to be his reaction almost all of the time. So I, I think that Greg Gard deserved a suspension. I'm not saying that Juwan Howard shouldn't have been suspended, but my problem is that you're only suspending one side of the fight when the other fight, the other side of the fight was just as a, a factor and a contributor to the situation that, that developed. Um, and another thing I want to mention um during this whole scuffle is that there's been murmurs about getting rid of the, the post-game handshake line. Yeah. And I, I, I look at that when, when people say that, I, I don't really think you could change a rule um, just because 
one person breaks it. Um, I, I think that that's a little extreme as well. Um, but if I'm Jawan Howard and I see the timeout with four seconds left in a game that's already been decided, there is absolutely no shame in doing what Isaiah Thomas did and just walking out. There is like, I, I wouldn't have shook his hand. I would have just walked out or I would have said, I remembered that I'll remember that and walk straight back to the locker room. I'm not going to shake his hand because at that point you've already been made aware of the fact that sportsmanship isn't a factor for the other team. So why should it be a factor for you? So if sportsmanship has already been thrown out the window, there's no need for you to go shake his hand. And there's absolutely no shame in pulling an Isaiah Thomas. Um, I mean, that's also where I disagree, Max. I mean, if you're running a full court press against backups, I mean, I think, I think as a Wisconsin head coach, you have every right in the book to call a timeout. Um, I, I mean, you have no, you have no, uh, you're losing by over 10 points and, you, and you're pressing these guys. What else do you expect on these backups? Like you're going to, uh, like, if you think about it like this, you're losing, so you're trying to steal the ball maybe and get a layup. Okay. But now you're, you're going to lose a game either way. So, so you're, you're playing that aggressive and then you get mad when the other coach just tries to defend your play. If you want to, if you want to, uh, put it in terms of this where oh you play the game till the clock hits zero 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 that's what wisconsin was doing he was playing the game till the clock hit zero he called a timeout he wanted to assess the situation and move on from there so i think it goes hand in hand i did not really notice him putting his hands on him first but i'm not going to disagree with that I, I i didn't really see that footage i don't i saw the one close up on the court but i didn't really notice that he maybe uh, did that but that's kind of my opinion on it and liam i uh, I definitely agree. I don't think uh, you should take away handshaking after game. It's uh, just it's a nice way to show respect after a game. Yeah. So and, and that's just an unnecessary thing to to change. Like there's you just that's what everything has always been. It's the custom to you show a little support, you show a little sportsmanship. There's no need to change that. Just the only thing that would be changing it is because of COVID, so because of health issues. But you don't just change it just because oh there's a little scuffle. But like it was. This was wild to see, like, as just an overall scope of things. Like, we usually don't see stuff like this, but, like, between coaches, like, you can see this between players, but between two head coaches and then the assistant coach coming in, never really seen that before. And it was kind of – it was fun to see, but, like, terrible to see because at the same time, it's coaches just supposed to see that. But it's, it's sometimes like to see a little banter going on. It's nice yeah. to see a nice little scuffle going on in uh, college yeah. basketball. Because yeah. like, like you said, it's usually the players <laughs> that you see. You don't really see the professional yeah. coaches that are making millions of dollars uh, put their hands yeah. on each other. But uh, that's going to kind of wrap up uh, this week's episode, everyone. Thank you for listening on this Zoom hiatus type of thing. Um, we'll be back next weekend unless Liam makes a run in the NCAA tourney, which we're wishing good luck to him. Um, but yep. yeah, that'll be us from us. Uh, this is Tyler. Liam. And Max. And we'll see you guys next week. Thank you.